Life Spring number 153 in the Sweet By and By. Hey, how's it going? You're looking chipper today. Hey, it's so good to see you. All right. Well, what's that all about? Well, as you know, we're going to continue the discussion on the afterlife. Heaven, hell, purgatory, death, life, limbo. Limbo? What's that? (laughs) We'll talk about it. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to get right to it. It's very late here, and I've got to get up early in the morning to go with the lovely Lady Leanne on a bit of an errand. And so uh, I'm going to get to this without any further ado. I'm glad you're here. Okay, so we're continuing the question, the Ask Steve question that we did on LifeSpring number 152. And it came from Alex, and he said, I hear a lot about life after death, including purgatory, heaven, hell, limbo, and many other things. What does the Bible actually say about life after death, and where did the other ideas come from? Thanks in advance, Alex. And so last week we talked about the fact of life after death, and we talked about purgatory. Well, today I'm going to take a few minutes to talk to you about heaven, hell, and limbo. And I tell you, what I think I'd like to do is take those three things in reverse order. I guess what we'll do is we'll save the best for last. Okay, so question is, what does the Bible say about limbo? Well, for the short answer, (laughs) nothing. (laughs) But where did the idea come from? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, The root of the word limbo is the edge of a hem on a garment. So the word itself is telling us that limbo is some place which borders very close to another place. One broad definition of limbo is an area that exists between two specific places. But like I said, the word limbo doesn't appear in the Bible. The closest biblical account for for a limbo concerns Abraham's bosom. You may have heard that, the bosom of Abraham or Abraham's bosom. Another thing that uh, is talked about in Scripture that sort of kind of is like a limbo is paradise. Oh, paradise? I thought that was heaven. Well, let's calm down. We'll get to it. Paradise appears in the, and Abraham appears in the parable of the rich man in Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, verses 9 through 31. And uh, it's a parable that Jesus told, and this is what it sounds like. Jesus said, There once was a rich man, expensively dressed in the latest fashions, wasting his days in conspicuous consumption. A poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, had been dumped on his doorstep. All he lived for was to get a meal from scraps off the rich man's table. His best friends were the dogs who came and licked his sores. Then he died, this poor man, and was taken up by the angels to the lap of Abraham. In other translations, that's where it says the bosom of Abraham. Continuing, the rich man also died and was buried. In hell and torment, he looked up and saw Abraham in the distance and Lazarus on his lap. He called out, Father Abraham, mercy, have mercy. Send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool my tongue. I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, you got the good things and Lazarus, the bad things. It's not like that here. Here he's consoled and you're tormented. 
Besides, in all these matters, there is a huge chasm set between us so that no one can go from us to you even if he wanted to, nor can anyone cross over from you to us. The rich man said, Then let me ask you, Father, send him to the house of my father where I have five brothers so he can tell them the score and warn them so they won't end up here in this place of torment. Abraham answered, They have Moses and the prophets to tell them the score. Let them listen to them. I know, Father Abraham, he said, but they're not listening. If someone came back to them from the dead, they would change their ways. Abraham replied, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be convinced by someone who rises from the dead. Now, although this is a parable, we have no reason to believe that Jesus was making up these places. Now, parables are usually fictionalized stories to uh, illustrate a point, but there's always truth in a, in a parable. So if we can take these places as being real, it looks as if before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there were two places that souls went after death. One place is at the side of Abraham, or like I said, Abraham's bosom, or as we just read, the lap of Abraham. And this would be people who died believing in God's promise, just as Abraham did, and they were declared righteous by faith, just as he was. For some support of that, some biblical support of that, uh, let's look at um, Genesis chapter 15. It says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir. You will have a son of your own to inherit everything I'm giving you. Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. Now here's the important part. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. And for some New Testament uh, foundation to that, you can look at Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 24. But the point is that Abram believed the promises of God, and God therefore declared him righteous, even before Jesus. Interesting. So, what about those who were not believers? Well, those who died in unbelief went to a place of torment, and that's where the rich man went. He went to a place of torment. The Greek word that is used there is Hades, and it's roughly equivalent in meaning to the Jewish word Sheol, which means the lowest pit. It is clearly a place of great torment. When Jesus was on the cross, remember that he turned to the thief and told the man, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's from Luke chapter 23. Well, in this place, Jesus must have been referring to that place where the soul of Abraham was. So it seems that paradise is another name for Abraham's bosom. We know that when Jesus went to paradise where the thief, Abraham, and others who believed God's promises were, he set them free through preaching the gospel to them so their faith could become complete. And that's from 1 Peter chapter 3. It said, Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So I'm still reading here from the Bible. So so he went and preached to the spirits in prison. That would have been Abraham's bosom there. The, that would have been paradise. So this ties into Paul's explanation of a prophetic passage quoted and explained in Ephesians chapter 4. 
where he says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice there that it says he ascended. That means that Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that his rule might fill the entire universe. And so the limbo, if you want to call it that, of paradise is now gone because its inhabitants who were captured by Jesus have entered into the presence of God, just as each Christian does upon their death. You'll remember from the last show, 2 Corinthians 5.18, where it says, Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So when we die now, we go into the presence of God. So that leaves us with Sheol, or hell, as the only, quote-unquote, limbo remaining. But this is also temporary. These souls, those that died unbelieving, those will appear at the second resurrection before the great white throne of judgment in Revelation chapter 20, where it says, And I saw a great white throne, and I saw the one who was sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books, according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead in it, and death and the grave gave up the dead in them. They were all judged according to their deeds, and death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. These people are not in the book of life because they do not have eternal life through faith in Christ, and they are cast to their final destination in the lake of fire, or Gehenna. So the idea of limbo as a realm in between heaven and hell is not really biblical. But if anything, it's the temporary holding place of the non-believer. That's Hades or Sheol, which eventually, as I said, will be emptied into the lake of fire. So that brings us to the subject of hell then. We have, of course, touched on it here just a little bit, but there's a few more things that uh, we could say about it. And it's interesting to note that the majority of people, at least in America, do not believe that hell is real. Well, is it? Let's find out. According to the Bible, hell is most definitely real. The punishment of the wicked in hell is as never-ending as the eternal life and happiness of the righteous In heaven, the punishment of the unbelieving dead in hell is described throughout Scripture as everlasting fire, unquenchable fire, shame, and everlasting contempt. I'm quoting now several different places. Place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. A place of torments and flames. Everlasting destruction. A a place of torment with fire and brimstone where the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and a lake of fire and brimstone where the wicked are tormented day and night forever and ever. Jesus himself says that the punishment in hell is everlasting. So, those in hell will be forever separated from God, from hope, from peace, and from love. There is no respite. It will go on and on and on. Yes, hell is real. Hell is a place of torment and punishment that lasts forever and ever with no end. 
But remember, we can praise God that through Jesus, we can escape this eternal fate. John 3, 16, 18, and 36 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So, hell is not something that is supposed to scare us into heaven. Hell is a place that we go to if we choose to reject Jesus. It's not, a, it's not some place that was originally planned for human beings to go. Hell was originally made for Satan and his followers to go, his demonic followers to go. But God is a God of love, and he will not force himself on you. If you decide on earth that you don't want to have anything to do with him, then he is not going to force you to be with him after death. If you choose not to know him, if you choose not to accept his his gift, then he will not force his love on you. Forced love is rape, and God will not do that. He will honor your decision to not have anything to do with him. Unfortunately, to not have the hope of ever being in his presence, to not have the hope of any goodness or light, that destination is hell. He paid a huge price so that you would not have to go to hell. An enormous price. He sacrificed his own perfect, sinless, blameless son. He sacrificed his blood. He sacrificed his life. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he did that. That's love. All one has to do is accept that love, and your place in heaven will be guaranteed. Your name will be in that book that was talked about there, the book of life. So speaking of everlasting life, let's see what the Bible has to say about heaven. I'm only going to give you some high points here because there's too much to cover on uh, in the show, but uh, let's just go over them uh, fairly quickly. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. As an example, when Jesus uh, gave the disciples an example of how to pray, he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we know that God is in heaven. Heaven is also the dwelling place of his angels. It's also the dwelling place of God's saints from earth who have died, and we've talked about that. Heaven is an actual place to and from which Christ goes. Listen to this from, I think it was John. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus came from heaven into the world. Heaven is consistently referred to as up in location. We don't know whether it's a place or whether it's something in another dimension, but it is a place and it is a destination. Heaven is where Christ came from. We talked about that. And where he returned after his resurrection. And it's where he is now. And it's from which he will come physically to earth again. Bible says that he is sitting at the right hand of God now. 
Yeah, heaven is described as a city. The normal understanding of a city is a place of a lot of homes and residences in close proximity. And the inhabitants are subject to a common government. And a city also uh, shows varied and bustling activity. Heaven is a busy place. It's not where you are going to be laying around on a cloud and strumming a harp. That's not at all what's going to happen. Things in heaven don't decay. They don't rust. In 1 Peter it says, uh, An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Things don't wear out there. Heaven is the Christian's place of citizenship. If you're a believer, your citizenship is in heaven. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 3.20. Psalm 16.11 tells us that heaven is a place of great joy and pleasures for the redeemed. It says, You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Sounds like a good place to be. We've already talked about um, the Lamb's Book of Life. In Luke chapter 10, it says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. If you're a believer, your name is written in heaven. How cool is that? One of the greatest things about heaven is we will be with Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So Paul was saying that I am looking forward to being with him because that's a whole lot better than being here on earth. Jesus himself promised that we would live with him in heaven. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, I like that. Jesus is preparing a place for the believers. He's preparing a place for me, a place I'm not going to have to keep repaired, a place that is not going to fall apart, a place where the plumbing won't back up <laughs> and uh, I, I won't have to paint. Something we'll be doing a lot of in heaven is worshiping God along with the angels and the other believers from every race and background. It says uh, in Revelation chapter 4, this is a, somewhat of a long section, but it's worth reading. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. 
There's going to be a tremendous amount of praise and worship in heaven, and I'm looking forward to it. Some of my most joyous times as a believer are times when I've joined together with other believers, praising and worshiping God. And uh, if it's that fun and if it's that good here on earth, I just cannot imagine how great it's going to be in heaven, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to speed things up a little bit here. Um, in heaven, we will have eternal rewards, permanent possessions, and positions which vary from believer to believer, and that will be based on what we've done here on earth. That's not to say that whether we get there is based upon what we do, but our rewards and our possessions and our positions will vary according to what we've done. There are at least five different crowns given as heavenly rewards. The crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of glory, and the crown of righteousness. All of those crowns are talked about in the Bible. Another very cool thing is that we ought to look at heaven as a time when the righteous acts that we've done, many of which have been disregarded and some even punished here on earth, will finally be rewarded. There is justice. And sometimes we do things on earth here, not for a reward here on earth, and that's that's fine. We, we look forward to a reward in heaven, and we'll get it then, and that's a good thing. I'd much rather be rewarded there than here, because up there, as I said, things don't wear out. They don't go away. They don't rust. They don't turn to dust. Also, in heaven, we will serve God. Now, that's from Re- Revelation chapter 7. Listen, service implies that we will have responsibilities, that we'll have duties, that we'll do some work, and that there will be creativity to do the work well. And that's a good thing. Uh, here on earth, we look at earth as, as a toil and as a bad thing. In heaven, it's going to be something that occupies us and, and challenges us, and that's a good thing. And it will be work with lasting accomplishment unhindered by decay and fatigue and enhanced by unlimited resources. Now, how cool is that? In heaven, we will be given rest from our labors on earth. That's from Revelation chapter 14. We know from 2 Timothy and from Revelation chapter 3 that according to what we've done for him on earth, we will reign with him in heaven. We will have some sort of responsibilities and we will be leading some. We will judge or rule over the world, and we will judge and rule over angels. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There will be things for us to do, and there will be some sort of hierarchy, of which we will be a part. Interesting. We know that heaven has light, water, trees, and fruit from Revelation. And we know that heaven contains some animals, including wolves, lambs, and lions, at least in the millennial phase, and we haven't even talked about that. But um, there are animals in heaven. So, for those of you that love animals, that's a good thing. So, there's a very quick look at limbo, which doesn't really exist, and at heaven and hell. The Bible has a lot to say, as you can easily see here. Uh, this has just been a like a 35,000-foot view of the topics. But as you can hear, there are many, many places that the Bible talks about each one of these subjects. Listen, it's good to realize that each of us has a choice as to where we're going to spend eternity. The decision is not up to some indifferent or worse yet, some pernicious God. It doesn't depend on whether we were good enough to tip the scales in our favor here on earth. The Bible clearly states that heaven will be ours if we choose to believe in Jesus Christ. We cannot earn heaven. 
Hell, on the other hand, is ours already. We have already earned it. If we choose to reject the gift that Jesus presents to each person, the gift is this. He offers you his perfect life in exchange for your broken one. He offers it freely, willingly, and openly. I can't imagine why anyone would reject that. Some do, but I, I don't I can't even begin to fathom it. What's your choice? Where will you spend eternity? Well, there were a couple of reasons that there was no show last week. I apologize uh, that uh, you may have been disappointed. Um, Most of you probably heard about the fires here in Southern California. Well, we weren't directly affected by them here in Riverside, but we were very certainly indirectly affected. Several of our friends were evacuated from their homes. My parents were very close to one of the biggest fires, and we had to be available to move them out if it became necessary. Our business was affected because of all the ash that was falling from the sky. Uh, We couldn't see the windshields, and so it slowed us down quite a lot. The way we get our work is we go from car lot to car lot looking at the cars on the used car side to see which of them might need our service. So when we're walking the lot, if the windshields are so covered in ash that we can't see them, well, you can see it it, uh, really has an effect on our productivity. So I had to spend extra time last week doing that and not sitting behind the microphone. Also, the boys are in baseball. I think I've mentioned that. And their games and uh, practices obviously take some of my time. i got to be a dad because there's only one time that they're going to be boys. Uh, Steven will be able to move out of the house in just a couple of years, so I want to take advantage of all the time that I can with him. So I I hope you'll be patient with me there. Also, I've got to be honest with you. The death of Leanne's dad uh, sort of took the wind out of uh, some of our sails around here. Uh, We know that he's in heaven. We have no doubt about that. We rejoice in that. But because of the way that he died, um, it's it's just kind of taken its toll around here. Um, We're spending a lot of time together as a family, which is good. And I'm spending less time behind the microphone and less time doing show prep just because... uh, Um, we're sensitive to the needs of family right now. And uh, you are my extended family, no doubt. And uh, I'm so glad you're there. And I I love you. Um, But um, my family right here under this roof and uh, our extended family, you know, uh, my in-laws and things like that, they're taking some extra time right now. Leanne's mom is uh, needing some extra, she calls it babysitting, just because uh, she's still adjusting to having her uh, help meet be gone. We're getting things back together again, but uh, that's just kind of the way it is right now. I, I hope you can understand that. I did spend some time last week putting together a video. I think some of you saw it. I put uh, I put it in the uh, LifeSpring.tv feed and also the All Shows feed, but if you don't subscribe to either one of those feeds, you may have missed it. But it was a pretty fun project. It was an experiment. Um, it was a holiday or Christmas gadget review. Um Podshow asked some of us to see what we could put together, and I had some fun with it. I um, chose to review the uh, Newmark USB turntable that uh, my wife, the lovely Lady Leanne, gave me last year. Uh, I wasn't paid to do it. I just did it for fun. 
And uh, I think you should take a look at it. If you haven't seen it, go to lifespring.tv and uh, uh, take a look. I've got a flash version of it up there. You don't have to download anything. And uh, I think you'll have fun with it. I I did. Uh, But that took some time last week as well. And so I wasn't uh, completely forgetting about you. I'll tell you what, it's pretty late right here, uh, right now. So I'm going to remind you that my email address is steve.lifespring at gmail.com. And my toll-free comment line is 877-433-9091. Call me today, won't you? I'm going to be getting out of here. Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your station in life. Jesus asks you this, who do you say that I am? Life springs about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. Thank you for being with me today. I enjoy your company. May God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight.